Welcome to the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer and business coach helping you to live in your purpose. And that is what this podcast is all about. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm Paula Crossfield. I'm so grateful that you're here. This week, I have an interview with Meryl Creeksman, who is a mentor, a friend, and a colleague in the business coaching space. And in this interview, we talk a lot about the things that have really helped our clients. And I pick her brain a bit about niching and showing up visibility, some of the topics that she's really an expert in building credibility, things like that. So I think this will be really interesting to you if you are a spiritual entrepreneur. She also has a really interesting journey. So if you're a person who's been pivoting in your career or in your life, she started out as an opera singer and then became a conversion copywriter online. So before we jump into that, I want to let you know about a couple things that I think might interest you. First of all, I have recently relaunched my newsletter as a place for really intentional conversations. This kind of exclusive content will be coming out through what I'm calling resonance love letters. I'm really like pouring out my heart to you all, giving you bigger vision, strategy, ideas for business teaching you how to apply astrology to your life. There'll be lots of tools and resources and stories to inspire you. So if that's interesting, go to the show notes and make sure you sign up for the newsletter. The second thing I want to make sure you know is that today starts a three-day workshop series called Magnetize Your Dream Clients, which is a series that will help you do the inner and outer work to really draw people into your orbit that are ready to prioritize to say yes to you and your offerings. So this is for you if you have offerings you love, or even if you're just getting started on your online business, there will be tips in here for everybody. So you can go to the link in the show notes for that. It's $97. 100% of the profits go to the Sovereign Bodies Institute, which supports indigenous families and survivors of sexual violence. The third thing I want to let you know is that my signature program, Your Magnetic Blueprint, has its doors open now. This is for spiritual entrepreneurs who want to set a good foundation for their business. You may have already been in business for a while and you're looking to pivot or up-level in some way. These are the tools that I have used to help me get to a half a million dollar business. So please do check those out if that is something that is interesting to you. Please book a call. We can chat. The next round starts September 22nd, and there are limited spaces available, and the early bird ends on September 1st. Okay, on to my interview with Meryl Kriegsman, who is a women's wealth advocate and is dedicated to helping you become the wealthiest woman in your lineage. A former cleaning lady turned self-made millionaire matriarch, she believes that the most powerful thing we can do for our children is become unapologetic female leaders who fearlessly demand what they're worth and get it. Her insights based on helping a thousand plus women step into self-funded wealth have been featured on CBS News, ABC News, and in publications like Forbes, Fast Company, Entrepreneur, and Good Housekeeping. You can spot her in the wild on her organic farm in Canada, 
which is also like ours, a regenerative farm, or reading erotic novels in a 1920s lace dress and rubber boots. I hope you enjoy this interview. I would love to hear your feedback. As always, you can send me messages to Paula at weaveyourbliss.com. And I will look forward to hearing from you. And we will be back together again next week. Hello, Meryl. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I feel like this conversation has been a long time coming. We have so many good conversations. So hopefully this one will benefit all the people listening. <laughs> Yay. Um, so one thing that I often start with is just talking to somebody about their journey. And since you started out as an opera singer, I'd just be really curious to hear how that happened. Like, were you a musical child? Did you grow up in a musical family? And then why did you end up giving it up? Mm, yeah, it was actually really interesting. I was talking to my father this week and I hadn't spoken to him in quite a while. And so we were on for about an hour and a half just chatting and catching up. He's in Europe. I'm in Canada. This will make you laugh. <laughs> At one point he said like, oh, I'm so glad that you're picking up your paintbrushes again, stuff like that. Because, you know, it's one thing to be like a, a whiz kid with like numbers and money making, but both you and I know you're really an artist. Like that's where your talents lie. It's like, this is literally the opposite of what most people experience where it's like, you have to become a dentist or a doctor or, or a lawyer. And here it's like literally my accomplishments and my fulfillment that I find in making money, teaching people about money, like all of that is completely poo-pooed over the fact that, you know, we both know you should be doing this creative thing. So that was very much how I was raised. I was raised with the expectation that I would have a creative profession as well, right? My brother is an author. My sister is a stylist, an interior designer. So is my mom. My brother creates beautiful gardens, right? So it was it was really the expectation was there from the get-go that I would have a creative profession. So I just rolled into that and very much like also the opposite of what most people experience where most people are like, but I really want to be an artist deep down. I was like, you know, in my mid twenties going, wait, what? I really just want to make money. You know, no, not just money, but like, you know, talk about money and business and strategy. And I just love it and actually feel deeply creatively fulfilled by it more so than, than, uh, you know, when I was actually singing and being on the stage. Um, so yeah, here we are. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting though, because, you know, when I first met you, I was considering joining your mentorship program. And I asked you if you would share your birth chart with me. And you just shared it with me right away, which I thought was really cool. And you told me your grandmother does astrology, which is like, you know, we have that in common, that interest. And then, you know, after I looked at it, I told you I was really surprised because I could tell that you'd done a lot of work to overcome certain blocks or issues or mindset stories or whatever around money. And the, the reason for, for listeners who may be interested, the reason I could see like the opera singing actually as a way to heal because that's the second house. So I taught a course on money karma last fall and you let me use your chart because I wanted to show as an example how like singing and especially something that's highly trained, you know, that requires a lot of diligence and, and discipline for the voice that actually is a way to heal the ability to receive and, and maintain funds. So I, I'm just curious, like if we, you, you can take us more into like what it's like to be an opera singer or like 
what was required of you and how that then applies even to what you do now, like what you were talking about, about applying creativity. Yeah, very much. It's so, it's so funny to hear you talk about it because I'd actually already like it was sort of got a little bit more sort of like into the background with everything going on in my life. But yeah, now it's sort of like sparks that all again. What it's like to be an opera singer is like there's multiple facets to it. There's the actual singing, the showing up every single day and practicing, practicing your pieces, practicing, right? Like the, the scales, like everything, right? It's very, very athletic, which a lot of people don't recognize because a lot of opera singers are actually quite overweight or right, like heavier sat. And so there's like this whole perception of, right? Just stand there and just do your thing. But it's like, it's extremely athletic. It's extremely high, like high, high performer. And I don't think a lot of people actually realize that. So, you know, it takes um, enormous mental and physical discipline to be able to do that. So, right, there was a lot involved with that. One of my mentors, right, always said like freedom through discipline. And that's something that I really took to heart. And so when I started with the whole entrepreneurial sort of story, I had already right, ingrained in me sort of like that high level of like, you know, high performance right? showing up every single day for something that you care about, like all of that, like perfectly applied to becoming a very successful business owner, similar to also right, being extremely courageous. Like it, it does take enormous guts to right, climb on a stage and literally know that you have cameras on you that are broadcasting what it is that you're doing live right? To millions of people globally, right? And so when you take that experience and and sort of go like, oh, I'm going to go live now on Instagram, <laughs> like literally, <laughs> like whatever, you know, this whole, this whole thing about sort of like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure if I, you know, can be this visible or it's scary to be visible, right? Which a lot of people have very valid reasons for, right? And their how it fits into their life experience. But when you look at yeah, the experiences that I had. <laughs> Sometimes like literally I was doing a competition in like the south of south of uh, of Germany, like in the mountains. And there's this um this panel of all these like, you know, super famous agents and stuff like that. And I literally would like botch an op like an aria, right? Like sing the the, the wrong verse or something and you know, stuff like that. When you've you've had that experience of like, oh oops. <laughs> Right in front of like so many people, right? Sort of thinking like, oh my God, that I just like bash all my opportunities here, right? It's that we do in the online space after that is sort of peanuts, right? And the funny thing is though, that I'm, I still have stage fright. Like I was on a panel the other day and were like, I think 10 of us or so. And we all got like a 10 minute slot to speak about a certain topic. And I literally started with, I'm a former opera singer and I still get stage fright for these things. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Which is like, it was wonderful. It was very disarming and people actually loved it. And we talked about that as well. But, and then I think the other thing that, that transferred really powerfully was also knowing how to move people, right? Like I would play roles that are more sort of, you know, in the comedic spectrum, I would sing roles that are more in the dramatic spectrum. So I sort of have a, very keen sense of like how to pull people into story, how to, you know, set it up in such a way that there, that there's instantly sort of like a, a tumbling into, right? Whatever it is that I'm telling. So yeah, you know, the storytelling elements, the, the, my relationship to my own visibility, the high performance sort of daily practicing, all of those things like serve me really, really well. 
It's interesting because, you know, as you're talking, I have your chart right here and you're ruled by Venus and Venus is with Mercury and they're, and Mercury is very strong. And so you said the storytelling element. And then of course your next incarnation was as conversion copywriter. So, and, and not in your language as well. Like, so how did that yeah. happen? That next step? Actually, it's a funny story. Um, so while we were being opera singers in Germany, because my husband is a, is a held in tenor. He sings like Wagner and Strauss and very bombastic music. Some days he still wants to listen to it. He's like, I'm in a mood for music. And he turns on the radio and I'm like, like, really, Keith? Do we have to do this like super intense, like, singing? But that's, that's his world. And I'm more sort of like, you know, um, Mozart, concert arias and church music. That's, that's my world. Anyway, what was I speaking to? So, oh yeah, conversion copywriting. So, we were super poor, lived like far below the poverty level. Basically, Keith had an income of, I think we lived on less, like we lived on about $1,800 a month for the both of us, right? That was basically before taxes. So it was, it was really, really, we didn't have any money. So what we did, what we started doing is renting out our apartment on Airbnb. We were one of those people who got like the badge for like the best Airbnb in town or something. <laughs> and we lived in a city center. So we did have that room, which of course we could use ourselves because it was a small apartment. We decided to rent it out. So we got all these people from all walks of life, right? Coming into our house and we absolutely loved it. Like the sort of the doing hospitality and creating like a beautiful environment. Like we really, really love. And also a lot of business people. And they would always talk about their products and their services. And then I would say, so really what you're right. Summarizing what you're telling me is that you offer this thing or right. If so, if I were to say like in a few words, right, they would be like rambling about like how they wanted to make a difference. It's sort of like this consistently. I would have this experience of like, these people, like their jaw would just drop to the floor and they would go like, that is brilliant copy. Like, can I use that on my website? Like, can you write something for me? Can you, right? So I was like, oh, wait, this is a thing because I've been doing that my entire life, right? Sort of understanding like this is, this is the, the crux of the matter. This is why people are interested. This is what moves your, right? Again, moves your clients to actually want to work with you. Then when I got pregnant, I took a course like on online business, something that I was very, very interested in, especially, you know, going to have a baby, not seeing how my singing career is going to be fun, right? Sort of like my kids has the sniffles and now I have to go like stay at somebody else's home because I can't get sick because I have a premiere. Like that didn't seem like fun to me. So I decided to explore having a business at home I thought about coaching because I love talking to people and getting to like the depth of the, you know, the thing that matters to them, that maybe bothers them, that they need support with. But I also knew that I was really good with words. So I went for conversion copywriting and I did it in English because I didn't want to confine myself to like a tiny client base. And I've also always struggled with this North, Northern European attitude of don't brag. Uh, we have this saying in Dutch, which is, don't act crazy like you're crazy enough as it is. Um, which is so to me is like, oh, it's so deflating to never be able to, right? Celebrate and being self-expressed and authentic and always have to sort of be buttoned up and, uh, you know, super modest. Like that never 
jived with me as something, you know, that I wanted to live by. So yeah, I decided to go international and I could because I'm, I'm really good at languages. And, you know, at that point I'd been together with Keith for, for a few years. Who is Canadian for people who are who listening. Who is Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like having the chutzpah to really like put yourself out there and say, claim, like, this is what I'm doing now. You know, I find so much with my clients, and I think you do too, that like, people are afraid to really say like, they have these incredible skills. I think you've had the same thing, like, where you have these people coming to you with incredible skills who are completely underselling themselves and not sharing their credibility. So I was wondering Mm -hmm. if you could Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that. (laughs) Yeah, I saw a quote yesterday, which I thought was so awesome. Let me see. Did I take a screenshot? So Jamila Jamil on Instagram yesterday posted, uh, she said, just do it anyway. My answer whenever I'm asked about imposter syndrome is to admit that I'm an imposter and I treat it like crashing a wedding. You're in now. Have as much fun as possible and grab all the cake you can before someone throws you out. Lean in and make it a party. And this is literally my attitude. I just love it. It's like, all right, y'all believe that I can do this and let's make the most of it, right? Instead of... um Yeah. I mean, what's the flip side of that coin? Waiting for validation, waiting for approval. And here's the thing. like I'm actually going through some transitions right now in my own company that require me to step into a whole other level of this, right? So it's it's not like next level, right? Like I run a multi-million dollar company, but it's not like you overcome your imposter syndrome and right or your desire to have validation before you act. And then it's like, oh, done, done and dusted. Well, you got that one handled, right? It comes back like in different shapes and sometimes in different people, like throughout your, your lifetime and throughout your experience as a business owner. But it's very much that I think also in regards to like pricing and regards to credibility, I just see it in a very playful light, right? It's like, instead of making it so heavy and waiting for that stamp of approval, it's like, can you have fun with it? And I know that some people who struggle with this themselves can get very focused on other people who perceive this in a very playful light as if we're doing something wrong and, you know, I'm going to find you out. I personally don't have that, like where I expect other people to show me their credentials or something. I don't know. Do you have that? Like, I, I just no. trust my instinct. Maybe I'll look at some testimonials. I always tell my clients, like, I don't have a certificate that says I am a Vedic astrologer. Like, I've just studied and I have great teachers. I don't need that. I don't care what someone else thinks. Like I'm the one that's behind here doing this this work and if I feel I can do it, I trust myself. Um but that that was hard one, you know. I definitely it's not like I was born into this life feeling like that. It took a lot of discipline, it took a lot of practice, it took a lot. I asked for validation from my teachers, like do you think I can share this? Like I've been lucky. I do get validation, but I think I get more of it now that I don't care as much. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. I recognize that for sure. No, absolutely. I think, you know, in the war, in our world, it, there's, there's very much, um, right. Getting a certification, right. Isn't good or bad. It simply is. And for some people, it's really valuable and, and an important part of their journey. And I think for some people, it just isn't. And I wish the world was a little kinder to the people who, you know, have a different path. Like I, I also, you know, I'm a high school dropout. I barely made it through college. I think I, cr- I crammed two and a half years worth of credits in like the last six weeks of my 
<laughs> of my college experience um, because I'd just been touring and I already had a career as a singer where all the other people were, right, like handing in their homework assignments. I was like in Belgium and in France and in all kinds of countries already singing. And then I, I did in the end, I did graduate, but it was um, tricky. I think I got like three urinary tract infections like in a row because I was so stressed out <laughs> like in those last couple of weeks. It was super stressful. But you know, it's not everyone fits well into rate an experience or a system designed by someone else. And, and I think it's really important to honor that and to also understand that even if you don't have the credentials, I never got a credential as a, or like a certification as a copywriter, not as a business mentor either, right? It's simply experience. And then, right, I have 50 plus testimonials, like video testimonials on my website. If you want to be curious about whether it works or not, it's like, go check it out for yourself, right? You know, there's so many people in transition right now. There's people leaving yeah. the job they're in, or they're just not completely satisfied, or they want to be stepping more into their gifts. I don't know if you have any from your experience, like any advice that you would give to people who are in the middle of that transition uh, on how maybe they can access some of that audacity to like step forward, you know? Yeah. Personally, sometimes I just, I literally look at uh, historical figures and characters from like movies or books. And I sort of go like, I'm just going to borrow a little bit of that person and then maybe this character, right? To come up with almost like, this is what it would look like if I was more like this. This is, these are sort of like the things I, that would probably come out of my mouth. This is how I would navigate the situation where I get an opportunity, but I feel not quite ready for it. This is what so-and-so would do. We can't always find it within ourselves right away, right? But that doesn't mean you can't like borrow. Like I remember at one point I was like, I sort of want to do like a cross between like Beatrix Kiddo from Kill Bill and Satine from Moulin Rouge. It's like, let's go for sort of something, something along those lines, right? It's like very seductive, but also very badass, right? Sort of combination. So being really, again, playful with it, right? And at the same time, go really deep with exploring like, okay, so what if you were to be if people were to weigh you and you were to be found wanting, then what? Right? Actually go down that route and go down that rabbit hole of like, well, what is the worst case scenario? I mean, in your case, Paula, like what would be the worst case scenario? Somebody finds out that you don't have an official piece of paper that says you're supposed to do this work. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm like, bye-bye. <laughs> like if bye -bye. you're upset about <laughs> it, I'm not for you. And um, maybe in the past, I don't know, maybe in the past, I would have been afraid that I'd be exposed or whatever. Like, I don't know, because it doesn't live within me anymore. But I think it's it's a good exercise to do because there's always something at the bottom, which is like, what if everyone decided that they weren't going to work with me, then I ended up living on the street in a box, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And like, just fully going there and being like, okay, then what would happen? And you asked a really good question about that. Like, well, then could you forgive yourself? And would you be willing to try again? That, that has always stuck with me too. It's like, yeah, even if the worst happened, would you be able to well, dust yourself the, off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is when like the more visible you become, like there will come points in time. Like I get them in my Voxer, you know, quite a bit from the people that I supported, you know, run seven figure, eight figure businesses, right? Where they're like, oh, somebody's trying to cancel me again. Oh, there's this 
for some, right? They're doing like their second attempt, attempt to do like a whole expose on me, right? So it's actually a very common experience to have people, right? Bash your name in public, et cetera, like as you grow into higher levels of visibility, right? And sort of stop seeing you as a person and more sort of as a, as almost like a brand or a product uh, that they can just, um, you know, critique online. Um, right. So I think that personally, I think there's a very sort of stage, maybe it's sort of like between, right, half a million dollars and, and let's say $2 million a year or so, uh, where that you sort of like newly getting into like that million dollar stage where you haven't had the experience yet that this is actually very common and you think you're the only one. Right. And I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind that, um, no, you're not alone. I think backing up to like, I just wrote a post this morning about this, like, here are the bad things that could happen if you really step into your gifts, you know, and I was literally like, I'm being totally honest, we're dropping some truth bombs, you could lose friends, you could have people freak out, you know, so for a lot of the people in my sphere, they're not at that level yet, but they're still, maybe there's some latent stories that are keeping them from actually stepping into their gifts, because they're afraid the worst could happen. So it's like, getting into what is that worst thing and really thinking about it and and helping yourself understand it. And so I'm also curious because you said that you're in transition and I know this because we work together, but like your transition, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like as business owners, as CEOs, we're always in transition, right? There's always some new pivot or, you know, and it may be a big one or a small one, but like what happens for you and what steps do you take? Like, what happens when you notice there's something that needs to change? And then what steps do you take to like move through that? Because I think that would be helpful for people. Yeah, no, this was a particularly big one for me because it involved like me surrounding myself with a lot of people who had like a certain perception of who I was and how I needed to run my company and stuff like that. And then I started to feel like really clearly within myself that this was no longer the right path for me and that I'd veered veered off too far to the side basically and that I needed like a homecoming right as I step further into also like I would call it like embodied leadership. So less sort of like borrowing of concepts from other coaches for other programs. Right. There comes I'm I'm almost 33, which I think is also really specific year in sort of the the biography. I feel a real sense of all of a sudden, like uh, an awareness of who, who I am, like identity wise. I think I always had a lot of self-awareness, but I think it also gave me the misperception that I knew myself pretty well. I was like, wait, there's like this whole other <laughs> level of, uh, of knowing myself. And so I started some work with a mentor, with a coach and designed a whole basically structure right? For, for growth, for, right? Like particular sets of like values and stuff like that. I hadn't been in an as empowered a place as I probably should have been doing that work to be able to also give some pushback and say like these things, yes, these things, no. I had just come out of like my post postpartum stage where I also experienced some, right? Like some mental health struggles, like lack of sleep, right? These things do where you have an impact on your business and how you show up and yeah, how you sort of like navigate certain things. So right. And I always say like taking full responsibility for that, right. This is not on that specific coach. It's just what, what was. 
And so what happened is that I built and I built and I built on certain foundations that weren't actually solid. So I started to feel that I needed a change. But because when you have a much larger business, it takes time to then restructure. You can't just say like, oh, I'm going to do this, this and this and this. Right. Then it, it literally takes a longer period of time for you to, it's, it's a little bit like you go from a sailboat to like more of a Titanic sort of situation. <laughs> Every tiny change that you make, like radically, right, influences your trajectory and stuff like that. So, so that's been very much, um, sort of a lesson in, uh, delayed gratification or delayed sort of, you know, being really disciplined, if you will, in sort of step by step carefully, right? Dismantling some of those things that I built and also allowing in this huge sense of relief that now I know myself and I can on a, on a much deeper level and I can make choices from that place. So that's been feeling really, really amazing. And I would say that after right this year and a half, I, I now have a much clearer sort of like internal index around how to rate certain opportunities or working with certain coaches or certain types of relationships or certain type of team structures for me to be able to say yes and no. Now, the thing is, is right, that we all have to bit by bit sort of build up that level of self-awareness. We don't always have it from the get-go. So I think if if I were to say like one big lesson that I would pass on is to have so much more self-compassion as you go through these transitions, right? To just really remind yourself that it's okay, even when the world is watching, right? For you to transition. Because if we, for example, when you look at how much change in, in, in just like the, the world economy, what we're seeing on the world stage, if we don't build businesses that, that can shift relatively quickly, which is basically what I've gone back to as a model, right? So it would be way more agile, right? We're going to have a really hard time. So I've built back in that agility and it's, it's really making a huge amount of difference in how much money we're able to make and also how much free time I get to have to play with my children and, right? Have it feel much lighter. Like I'm doing a lot of hand movements, which I know that people aren't seeing <laughs> because it's it's audio, but to, to have that flexibility, if you will. Well, the other thing that I witnessed of you is this sense of like being your full self in your business. And this is something that I teach to my people to make their business like their spiritual practices, like to have all of it. And like the word authenticity is used a lot, but that's kind of, it's like as authentic as we can be in as much as we know ourselves in the moment. But like, can you speak to that a little bit? Like how you think that serves your business or a person's business that you're supporting? Like you can only be truly seen if you allow yourself to be seen. It's not that everything has to live online, but also, right, there's, I, I believe that people right, radiate a certain like frequency, right? Or it's it's like they can only jive with you at that frequency if you are like, frequencing out like the frequency that's actually you, right? And if you don't, right, then you get into a place where you're attracting a lot of people who are actually not meant to work with you or are going to create like less auspicious sort of like difficult situations, right? Um, this is when you get into like clients, like relationship breakdowns or team stuff or breakdowns with collaborators or whatever it is, right? So the closer we can get to actually 
radiating the frequency. I don't know, radiating and frequency, I don't think go together officially, but it's like, that's what I'm seeing right now. So, right, the closer we can get to right, our truths, the more we will actually attract those things that are meant for us. And I, I say this sort of like quote unquote, because if, if you are, if you are not sending out the right frequency, you will still attract what's meant for you, but as a huge lesson, which of course, you know, everything about, right? Like the sort of things that we need to move through from a karmic perspective, which I think is really important that we welcome as well, right? It's not, it's not a failure if you go through a transition or right moments where you, where you, where you experience breakdowns. It's just like really part of the experience. So, and, and of course, right? Like, there's a sense of vulnerability there, like 100%. And personally, I'm someone who doesn't fit into a specific box, like from an ideology perspective. In some ways, I fit in here. In some other ways, I fit in a little bit more there. And it's sort of just like not as well-defined as certain groups would love for it to be. So some, like in the past, I've tried to sort of fit in fair and square and like this sort of this intersection of ideologies and like this is how it works and this is where we're going to hang out. And then I feel really untrue to myself. So in that that sense, I'm a little bit of a loner uh, and I like to attract those, those people. One of my clients still is talking about like, you know, she's, she's like the keeper of the threshold or something she calls it, right? Sort of like always, yeah, like not quite fitting into like whatever group. And I tend to attract those people as well. I think the only way that we can really strive in those places, right? It is by knowing yourself and validating yourself, right? So that you don't have to get it externally. Like when you open up right your social media app and you need to see a certain level of engagement or a certain level of positive engagement in order for you to feel safe or worthy or lovable, but rather really do like the internal work of I believe this and I stand behind myself almost, right? Like sort of feeling. Mm. And there's so many things I could ask about in this moment because I feel like this all plays into like niching positioning and our messaging. It's like, how do we bring forward our, our personality so that people can actually connect with us and allow that to be also part of our niche? Like, for example, you and I both live on ironically 160 acres of farmland that we're regenerating. So we have that in common. And like, you know, when I saw that about you and your brand, I was like, Oh, that's, that's ironic and crazy and amazing. And you were, it was May and you were starting to share like tulips and stuff like that. And it's amazing how those little things, you know, cause my clients also often are very attracted by that. And that's part of their dream is when I show stuff on the farm, they're like drawn in cause they really want that too. You know, and I love working with those people because I would really love for them to also realize that dream and also protect more land, you know, which gets into like, yes, yeah, you know, being committed to something, which we both are as well. Yeah. Like maybe you can talk a little bit about the niching positioning and how that fits yeah. in and then we can go there. Well, here's the thing, right? Like very similarly to what I just described in, in regards to ideology and not quite fitting in, there's also sort of like standard niches. You know, people want to sort of put you in like this particular box or that particular box. And if you start to feel sort of like boxed in or confined by or how people perceive you or how they would like to perceive you, right? I think for me, the question that I always ask myself and my clients is like, 
you know, do you, can you muster up like the courage to really then explore what's outside of that box? Right. And, and, and create a situation where basically you are the niche, right? It's not that you fit into this particular thing or that particular thing. Like I keep my, my title relatively wide. And I think you do too, to some extent, because the moment I go smaller, I feel like, you know, it just cuts off different parts of me. But really, most people that that I work with, right, like what we create is not a niche, it's a core narrative, right? So it's sort of like a story that you tell rather than a I'm a this, right? And I can capture my essence in these two sentences that my Instagram bio allows me to, right? It's like, ah, I'm so much more. And, and right, and you are, you are so much more, there is so much more to you. So Right at this point, I'm really like my sort of like next frontier is really about can I step even further into that? Right. Where I just tell my stories. I just share my wisdom. I show up in all the ways that are, that are helpful and impactful. And that literally means that, you know, if you look at my stories on Instagram, which I highly suggest you do because they're fun, it goes from one story that says like, what are your, you know, perceived, the perceived barriers between you and right, $100,000 a month, right, as a question. And the next story is literally like the pickles we just pickled from our garden. And then the next thing can be about, right, some erotic fiction novel or whatever that I'm reading. And the next thing can be about, right, something about me as a mother. And the next thing can be, right, so it's allowing yourself to really be all the things, right? And to say this whole spectrum of self-expression is something that I'm going to claim. I'm not just going to claim this one particular thing. I'm going to claim all of it, but also I'm going to have like a really solid core narrative around this is why you want to work with me. Right. And then I was going to say selling, always selling, because, you know, that's something we both encourage people to do is to be always kind of talking about your offerings and inviting people into them so that they know you are a business, you're not a charity. So they know like what it is that you're doing (laughs) and what they can do with you. Yeah, totally. I am thrilled to share with you an opportunity to get a hold of my handpicked lay low dates for 2022, as well as success dates to help you with launches, with signing contracts, with making big decisions in your business. If you would like that, it's called the 2022 astrology guidebook. And it's at my website, weaveyourbliss.com. You'll see it right at the top in the red bar. So get a hold of it. It's $33 and 100% of profits go to an Indigenous-led environmental organization. So I hope that's a huge help for you. Also, there's a link where you can drop it directly into your Google Calendar, meaning it's all there for you. You don't have to do anything and you can plan around those dates. So I hope that's helpful to you. So something I always ask everybody in light of this conversation and your experiences in life, what does it mean to you to live in your purpose? Like, what does that phrase conjure for you? It feels really powerful. I would, I would equate it with, with power, you know, and not in a superficial, superficial sense of the word, right? But like 
really like power from, from within. I have like this one poem on my website. See if I can find it. I literally pull it up. I have a bigger screen here because I don't know it by heart, but it applies to this question here. It reads, and then they emerged, called to be by the changing of the tide, undaunted by the wildness of their inner landscape, unbridled in the savoring of their own power, and wildly wealthy in every way that life has to offer. And money was no longer something to strive for. It became inevitable. Right? It's That is the feeling for me, Paula. It's the undaunted by the wildness of your, your inner landscape. When you're really in your purpose, there is something about that that is that cannot be tamed, right? It cannot be learned. You can study it, you can refine it, but it already is there, right? And and therefore, because of that, there is a, a wildness to it, right? And when you you pair that with also just that, that savoring of your, how powerful that feels, right? It's almost like a, like a physical sensation, as long as you sell, as long as you have a good core narrative, right? Like money is something that you no longer have to strive for. Like it will become right inevitable in a sense that it feels so easeful, right? It's like you're riding a wave instead of trying to create a wave sort of feeling. Yeah. And just like backing up from that and something we've talked about is since you've got so much going on in your 12th house, you have this ability to include philanthropy and what you do. And that expands what's possible for your money karma because it fulfills the qualities of that 12th house and it allows the universe to kind of see you as a portal for those causes. And something else that we've talked a lot about and that, you know, was one of the reasons that I first really was attracted to what you do is that you give back. And that's a big part of what you do. So maybe you can you talk a little bit why about why that's important to you? Yeah. Um, why is that important to me? Well, I think, I think it's pretty straightforward, Paula. Like, you know, I was just sharing with you, right? Like one of the things we want to donate money to is an emergency wellness center in Saskatoon, which is close to, to where I live. And I'm not originally from here, right? I'm from Holland. So moved here. It seems like inconceivable to me to keep building wealth, right? Because that's the stage that we're at right now. Right. We have everything that we could wish for. Right. We have like well over a million dollars in savings. It's, it's just like really, really lush, but it seems inconceivable to me to continue to stow away money when there is a homelessness crisis in Saskatoon, which is, you know, 20 minutes from where I live. It is inconceivable to me that I would start up like trust funds for my three children. When literally, you know, their future is going up in flames as we speak because of forest fires and right. So I think what lies behind it is, is a, a belief that, you know, wealth isn't just money. You know, well being is not something that you create through self care. Well being is something you create through community care, if you will, right? Like something that, that, that expands far beyond just your, family, right? Like the the money, right? Which in, in this day and age, right? It's also, it's so, so intangible, right? So like numbers on a screen, right? And in, in, in other ways, right? It is very tangible, right? Of course, but also it's like, there's something really like has an intangible quality these days, right? It's worth absolutely nothing, right? If we, if we don't start to make some really big changes, right? As, as humans, um, 
that's it for me. I was wondering, was there something else I wanted to say about this? Well, I remember, you know, one thing that I heard you say that really kind of pricked up my ears in the initial moments when I got in contact yeah. with what you do is you said something like, when I decided to have children, I also decided to fight like hell to make sure they had an environment to live in. Mm -hmm. And that really, you know, struck me. And here's the thing, right? Like, we don't know how salvageable things things are at this point, right? If I'm really honest with myself, like, you know, I honestly don't know. But I've also decided that it doesn't matter, right? Every like square inch, like on this farm that I regenerate, right, is a win. Like, it's literally that sort of like every gra blade of grass sort of, you know, analogy, right? Like every single moment matters. Every single action matters. You know, the thing is, is that what I have found is that sometimes even like speaking about the philanthropy side of things, I don't even know how comfortable I am with sort of being super public about it because for me, giving from the overflow, like sometimes I really have to almost like get back to the basics and ask myself, like, who am I being as a daughter? Who am I being as a life partner? Who am I being as a mother, as a community member, as a friend, as a, right? So sometimes it's almost like I overextend myself. And then I sort of have to go back and make sure that, that all those little building blocks line up before I can really start giving from a place that feels replenishable. I actually made the decision a while ago that I was just going to take this journey really almost like inward and much more local, right? So instead of giving to more sort of like global things, it's like, wait, but what is happening like literally like 20 minutes away from here? I just discovered, <laughs> so it's really like, oh my God, kind of moment. I discovered that one of my good friends who lives literally around the corner, right? And we're, we all live on like gravel roads, right? So it's like, farmland around the corner had a baby and I didn't know she sent me a post like I miss you like what's up in your life and she said I, I had a baby I was like wait what right and it was the sense of like I in order for me to feel like this beautiful flow is just rippling out into the world like I have to do better with the ripples that are closer to home right so I called my dad I sent some messages and right. So it's a real understanding that overflow and generosity, I think needs to happen like on all levels, not just on like a certain level that's like visible and, you know, fascinating for people to watch. Isn't like, Oh, like she's really doing good stuff in the world. No, it's how it, it also starts with, you know, are you present to. Right. One of your good friends that's like going through a freaking pregnancy. <laughs> to say. Yeah. I okay. mean, for me, I think it's both. And like, because my, my goal is really to give back to indigenous groups and to really amplify them. I feel like when I talk about them, it gives people an excuse to learn about them. And so it's not necessarily about me more, more what I'm sharing is like, Hey, look, you can also do this. Like, let's build a business that allows you to do this. I fully agree. And, you know, I am going to post about it more. Of course, my story is different because I, I do not have an indigenous background, right? So I'm very much sort of pondering, like when I post about it, I want to post about it from again, like that embodied place and not because like it's, it's really important to, I think sometimes just to be quiet and, and really ask yourself, like, what is my motive for this? 
right? And how am I choosing and curating the content? And for example, for me, I think it will be more around really highlighting, for example, right, activists, you know, like water protectors, right, earth protectors, that I want to feature and lend my platform rather than me sort of having an opinion, right? Because in the end, I don't think my opinion matters that much. I don't think my voice necessarily in that context is particularly useful, especially if you, if you compare it to somebody who lives and breathes this work and is at that beautiful, right? Embodied stage of, of being able to teach about it. This is a conversation we'll keep having because I'm really interested in the new paradigm that's emerging for the way that we look at making money in the world and business and how that's kind of moving against the trends of capitalism. So of course, so I have a few rapid fires with you for you. Are you open to that? So one is what is one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? Well, you know, for me, it goes back to that, like freedom through discipline, right? I am somebody who has tremendous amounts of discipline. And in the past, I've, you know, used it against myself. Um, and against my almost like sort of like my life path, right? I have struggled with like addiction, food disorders, stuff like that. But also through discipline, like almost as medicine, right? Like we can truly create so much freedom. Like when I think of how diligently I showed up for my business, like every single day for like the last seven years, right? And what that has brought to us as a family and what's possible right now, it's just enormous, right? Like the, also the cycles that I've been able to break within my family around uh, scarcity Mm. versus wealth. So the second one is when you feel anxious, confused, or frustrated, what's the first thing you do to ground yourself? Ah, So I live in zone three. I I think Keith told me three. Yes. It's like (laughs) three, but closer to two than three or something. And so that means that Whenever I can, I'll go out and literally, I think right now, if I feel my knees, they're still like muddy, not been able to shave my legs for about two weeks. So there's like little, little hairs and lots of mud (laughs) on my knees, right? I will literally ground myself. I will literally fall to my knees and just work in the soil, right? Work in the, work in the earth as a way to ground myself. In the winter, of course, it's a little bit more tricky, but what I will do is, um, and sometimes I call myself absolutely nuts for this, but I, I run a multi seven figure business and I do that almost like without childcare. So we really Keith and I partner up, my husband and I partner up to, to really do that together, like the being parents and stuff like that. But I also clean my own house and I also tidy my own house. So I don't have any support, but I sort of do this on purpose because I find, find it like the most powerful remedy when I am anxious or confused or whatever it is to, Go make my house beautiful, right? I have very strong sort of Venus rising, (laughs) Venus everywhere, I think, in my chart. So creating beauty, creating harmony is so deeply healing for me. And then if I can't because I'm tired, I will read um, erotic fiction. I want to become an erotic fiction writer at some point. Uh, and I That's read definitely in your chart. So whenever you're ready. Yes. Oh my God. I want to hear more about that because I, I'm like, it's it's absolutely crazy. I think I've probably read, I would say, a thousand erotic novels. I would be would be my bet, like in the last eighteen months or so. Like, and I'm reading them and I'm analyzing them. And I'm like, why does this work and why doesn't it work? And I I just love this world of of people's 
kinks because it's so closely related to like human psychology. It's so fascinating to me. I just、mm. love it. Sometimes not even for like the 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 thrill of like sexuality or something, but just like that is just so interesting how that works in people's brains. So I will literally I have my I can hold up my little Kindle here. I'm charging it right now, but I always have it with me, and I'll just like literally go sit myself down. And I think also radio eroticism sort of makes my my lower chakra sort of like hum a little bit more and come to life a little bit more. And then everything seems to just like line up from there, like in a really powerful way. So yeah, those are my three go-to、mm. ones. What is your favorite hot beverage? I I would have to say tea. Like I just love going to the garden right now. Linden trees are are blossoming, which you know is ridiculous, like ridiculously late, but like they're finally blossoming. We got linden blossom. We're making linden blossom tea and mint tea and chamomile tea and. All kinds of teas, and I just I love it, like freshly fresh fresh herb tea from the garden. Awesome. And what would be your last meal on earth? Probably like something Indonesian, because we have a lot of Indonesian food in Holland. Because Indonesia used to be colonized by Dutch, so we have so many like amazing restaurants、um, in Holland with Indonesian food. So I think that would definitely be something I really really miss where I live. Uh, I don't have access to, you know, cuisine from Indonesia, and but with sort of like、um, like a chocolate <laughs> dessert, you know, to top it off. Do you have a morning routine, and if so, what part, if any, is non-negotiable? I love adornment, right, and all shapes and forms, and like to just play with clothing and makeup and hair and stuff like that. So. I would say non-negotiable is my lipstick, but I I do love also like applying like the routine of like facial care. Actually, going for the first facial in like I don't know six seven years or so, the day after tomorrow. But I missed it so much. I used to spend all my hard-earned sort of pocket money in my teens on going to this amazing Armenian lady who had all like these special remedies, and she took care of my skin. And I really, really miss that. So I'm gonna try and find that here where I live in Canada, which is relatively rural, because I just love like you know when you wash your face and you apply like a really beautiful cream and it smells good and it's just like so refreshing. And then I just love all my lipsticks because you can go from really feeling like trash, it's sort of like ah didn't sleep like whatever, super stressful. And I put like a lipstick on. I'm like, "Hey, hello, who are you?" Right, like in the mirror of like Zoom <laughs> <laughs> sort of moment. So I would say that's a very powerful mood setter for me. So tell us about a person who inspires you and why. Like the person that comes up in my mind right now is actually my husband. He really inspires me and has inspired me like over the last, gosh, what is it? It's going to be like 12 years or so in in the fall. Has Always inspired me in just like how fearless he is in accepting who I am. Right, I'm a, I'm a bisexual woman, like literally a generation younger <laughs> than him. And instead of like seeing that as a threat or you know as something that's like let's not talk about it, he's like so curious about me as a person and wanting to explore that with me and. 
getting to know ourselves and, and stuff like better through just like exploring our identities. And I will be eternally grateful for that to be with a partner who, instead of like holding me back, is all for exploration and or it's sort of gone like, well, who cares about convention? Like, do we care about that? Let's mm -hmm. not care about that. What is something that people might not know about you? Well, what I can share is that I spent a couple years in my early 20s where I would literally go on this website called 9gag.com, which is probably more a space that you would associate with like skater boys and like teenage dudes who like inappropriate humor. <laughs> And I would literally make sure that I saw old memes. I would spend like a few hours sometimes there every day, just like scrolling and like laughing. Let's say it's sort of like the TikTok before there was TikTok, mm -hmm. but it's like a very specific sort of culture there where everything gets discussed and nothing is off the table. And the, the more inappropriate, the better. <laughs> and I just loved it. I loved it so much. So I would secretly hang out there and then close close the app and then sort of you know have everybody at least at that point like really perceive perceive me as very ladylike and mm -hmm. well polished opera singer <laughs> like oh. yeah i remember one time you shared with me that you would watch vampire series and then go sing an aria <laughs> <laughs> totally right it's like literally bach you know johann sebastian bach like spiritual church music like doing that in a competition. Yeah, that's, I think that was the story I shared. Like I was doing this competition in Vatican City, like issued by the Vatican. And I would show up like in this beautiful virginal, like white dress, just sing in this huge cathedral, right? Being, being broadcasted across the globe. And then I would, I would step away from that, uh, take my prize home and sit in this apartment and just live stream, um, you know, true blood and <laughs> vampire diaries. And <laughs> I don't know. There's something just so fascinating about like the juxtapositions in life, Paula. I love it. I, I do too. I, love... I mean, I remember I used to read this magazine called New York Magazine when I lived in New York and there was highbrow, lowbrow, like the spectrum. And I would always be interested in that because that's how I yeah. am. You know, I'm, I could read like a really highbrow novel that everyone's yeah. talking about and then also like watch Stranger Things, you know, and I'm just like all, all Which along. Which is so cute. Yeah. Yeah. I love that series. Yeah, no, totally. To come back to your question from before around, you know, what would I advise people, right? To step into our, into authenticity and visibility and stuff like that. It's like share more of those things, right? Like the odd juxtapositions within your own being that don't make sense to you. Doesn't, doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. And so on the topic of books, what are you reading right now? Or is there something you would recommend people read that along the lines of what you've shared? Well, you know, I always recommend reading books, you know, like lo a lot more fiction for starters. I think we're too hung up on nonfiction as business owners. We didn't study, 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 right? And sort of, I think, soothe ourselves with, you know, more information. And the fact of the matter is, is that as, as business owners, we need to be brilliant storytellers. I think the only way that you can become a really good storyteller is by listening to lots of stories, right? Or reading lots of stories. So highly recommend, for example, right? Like, uh, who I really grew up with, I read all her books like over and over again was Isabel Allende. Absolutely love the, the magical realism and, and just, uh, 
the sheer inventiveness of, you know, how she weaves beautiful stories, right? That are usually uh, also really tied in with lineage and ancestry, right? Find really awesome fiction authors, like in whatever area, you know, has your interest, whether that's like historical or sci-fi or whatever it is and go to town, go like understand that every moment you spend in inside of those worlds, it's going to translate into you being able to really get in touch with like your own storytelling abilities, right? Which is, which is so deeply important as a business owner. Like I can't state that enough. So it's not wasted time. It's very important, like study, study time, mm -hmm. right? So what is something that's bringing you joy right now in your life? What's bringing me joy right now is wearing this velvet, it's your little house coat that I'm wearing, like silk, silk velvet. And it's the exact shade of my eyes. Mm. Green, yellow, something in between. Yeah. And flowers, right? We both share that in common. Oh, yes. It's oh that goodness. time of year, right? <laughs> it's that time of year. And you know, what's, what's really so sweet, right? I have three daughters. The middle one is totally obsessed with animals. Like she, she will literally walk up to, it's so magical. She will walk up to a butterfly and that butterfly will come and sit on her hand. And then she goes to a cat that's not been tamed and she will tame that cat. And she's like five, right? It's like really special. But the other two are, are literally like flower picking obsessed, obsessed. They just go to the garden and they come back with these big bouquets and I plant so many flowers, Paula, that it like doesn't even matter, right? It's like literally with that in mind. And uh, so we have all these like little, little and mid-sized like vases and throughout the house, it's just one big bouquet. Um, I think I just posted in my stories like yesterday, I literally went to, we have a polytunnel this year for the first time. So I planted like from seed a whole bunch of like delphiniums and uh, lupines and I just started to put them outside in the in the garden now so hopefully within the next one to two years we'll have like a and just like an ocean of like blue and purples and pinks and stuff like that that feels pretty overflowy to me me too that's like what I define as success is being able to yes. just like have flowers all the time everywhere yeah <laughs> everywhere all the time I'll show you this picture maybe you can share it in the show notes or something look this is Literally my dream. Mm. It's like, um, you can see a table here. I just like to describe it with like all kinds of different dahlias. Like that's my next, uh, my next project. Well, be aware that under like zone five and a half, you have to dig them up every year. <laughs> that's what I learned. I and I'm, yeah, I planted them for the first time this year. So it's, it's a whole, you're going to be digging this fall. Yeah. I didn't yeah, plant I very know. many, but yeah, it's, it's a thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. We, we planted, um, Keith planted for me actually, which was really sweet. He planted a thousand plus like tulip bulbs about two years ago. We, we also thought we had to dig them up, but last fall it was just like, I can't. I'm too like, you know, I, I just don't have it in me to go dig up a thousand, <laughs> thousand tulip bulbs. Mm -hmm. And they came back this year. Nice. So that's a plus. I'll take it. Awesome. So tell us where people can find you online and what you're offering right now or how people can work with you. For sure. So join my group, my Facebook group. There's always lots happening there. It's called Wealth on Your Terms. Find me on Instagram, right? Simply like my name. I have like really fun stories. If you like flowers and kittens and money, you know, and kids and 
farms and stuff like that. So come, come find me. Come say hello. I have all kinds of, you know, things that we're, that we're always doing and hosting and that you can be a part of. So you just want to, you know, make sure that you hop over to my link tree, sign up for some things that you get on my email list. So that next time when I'm hosting like a, a three day, like, you know, event or something that you get the deeds. The way that you can work with me is send me a DM, tell me about your business and I will literally like put you in the right direction. It's sort of like, don't even have to go to my website. My website is beautiful. You want to go check it out. But if you right, want to really break through in your business and, you know, create a strategy that works for you, et cetera, right? Work on a very strategic sort of side of things. Just come and talk to me and, you know, we'll go from there. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for us. I want to thank the team at Team Podcast who helped get this podcast out to you. And also to thank the musicians who were the creators of this beautiful music we're listening to now. It comes from an album, Fragments of a Season, by Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantula-Desma. So check it out wherever you get your music. Have a wonderful day and we will connect soon on a future episode.